Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. Open your Bibles with me, everybody. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. Are we all there? I want to read from 10 to 11 to you all. I want us to read it together. Are you ready with me, everyone? All right, let's read together. One, two, go. Now, I also forgive whomever you forgive anything. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Next verse. It says that no advantage may be gained over us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his devices and in this context the apostle Paul was talking about forgiveness he was talking about them forgiving somebody who had done something wrong and he says something important which is my emphasis he says that the devil that we should not allow the devil to do what take advantage of us for we know what we know his works we're not ignorant of his devices we know the way he plays Are you getting what I'm saying? The devil is not that creative. He does the same things. And so the apostle Paul is speaking here. And in this context, yes, he's talking about forgiveness. He says, we're not ignorant. And first of all, it means the devil can take advantage of a person, can manipulate, can devise schemes. But the Bible also says we are not ignorant of his what? Of his devices. So we know how he works. It will be naive of us to still fall for the ploy of the devil even though we know how it works. Are you seeing what I'm saying? It will be naive of us. And so in this context, even though he's speaking about forgiving something, I want to show you another context where this holds true. You see, many people have limited the attacks of the devil to finances, to health. To every other thing. You know when something happens, say, oh, it's the devil. Why is the devil doing this to me? But you see, yes, the devil can attack these parts of your life. But more frequently, he goes for a fatal blow. Which many times is not on health. Neither is it on finances. Listen, <laughs> many people, your, finance, your financial problem is simply because of bad choices, bad decisions. You cannot save. <laughs> you have a terrible saving culture. Are you getting what I'm saying? Some people, it's just because those adverts always catch you. Pay $20 and take anything you want. But guess what? In the end, you would have paid $500 just because you have to pay $10 every month. And then, well, on a larger scale, that becomes a lot. So some people, it's just totally your fault that things are... Some of you, your health, me included, and I'm repenting. It's your fault. You will sleep 1 a.m. You wake up 4 a.m. Every day. What are you doing in the night? It's not that you are praying. If you are praying now, better. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Well, at least sleep the normal amount of hours. I heard water is great. I'm trying to drink a lot of water as well. Amen? So what I'm saying is this. The devil goes for a more fatal blow many times and it is not an attack on your health. Neither is it something on your finances. He attacks something more important. Guess what he attacks? Your understanding of the word of God. 
Are you getting what I'm saying? You know, it's fascinating that when you look at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Let me ask you a question. Did God say they cannot eat of any tree of the garden? What did God say? Don't eat of any tree. Don't eat of the tree of life. You can't eat of any other tree. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Do you think he never did not know? Do you think he did not know? So what is he doing here? He's attacking the understanding of the word. Did, you know, imagine it's like whining you. Someone said, ah, don't touch that exit sign. And I'm saying, eh, so Pastor Mike said, you cannot touch anything in this hall. Well, was that what I said? No. Are you seeing what I'm saying? He's attacking the understanding of the word. Then the woman responded and said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruits of the garden, but not of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4, what does the Bible say? Then the serpent said to the woman, You will what? What did you just see there? That's a direct attack on an instruction from God. God said, Don't even touch it, unless you die. Well, he said, he will not die. Touch it. Please, are you getting what I'm, what I'm teaching you? A direct contradiction to the word of God. And this idea was strange to Eden, even strange to Eve. Because rebellion against God was never an option until now the devil brought it to their minds. Are you seeing what I'm saying? In verse 5, the Bible says, He said that, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Knowing good and evil. In verse 6, it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sealed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Do you see the attack there on the word of God? Matthew chapter 4 and verse 5. Matthew chapter 4, verse 5. Are you all there? Let's read together. One, two, go. Then the devil taken him up into the holy city and set at him on a pinnacle of the temple. Verse 6. And said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. What is going on here? Who is he talking to? Jesus. So he goes to Jesus and he says, if you are the son of God, like if he show you, throw yourself down. Then he quotes, do you think it's the correct scripture he quoted? Oh yes. He quoted the real scripture. Well, the only problem is that he quoted it out of context, right? He says, if you are the son of God, do what? Throw yourself down. What does the next verse say? And Jesus said to him, it is, do you see that? So the reason why that was a problem in the first place is because even though it is written, it is also written that you should not tempt the Lord your God. Are you seeing that? It says, you shall not do what? Tempt the Lord your God. So, what the devil does many times, he doesn't necessarily care. You know, there are some people, their own problem is already plenty because they don't even come to church in the first place. <laughs> but then some other people, he says that, oh, this one, 
You're going to go to church. I know you're going to go to church. Well, he doesn't necessarily care about that sometimes. You're not going to pray in the morning. You're just going to play that prayer music. And you just do as if you are praying. You really... well, well, he doesn't even care that you're playing the track in your ear. He doesn't care. What he wants to do is to bring your mind. This is the same repeated play of the devil. I see what I'm saying. To, to adjust your understanding of the word from what it used to be. Have you met people who, who say, I, I'm not going to, I don't go to church? You ask them why. They say, Because God is everywhere. And they will back it up with scripture. Is God everywhere? Yes. Is that why you should not go to church? No. Are you seeing what I'm saying? If he can get you, twist your understanding of the word of God, he has you where he wants you. Is that you seeing what I'm saying, everybody? These people that don't come to church because of it's sensitive to some people. Church, someone has done something to you. Why not just change church? Is it not in this church that brother Samson did something? Go to another church. Because the solution is not to stop going to church. Well, the devil has them where he wants them. Your understanding is what the devil goes for many times. Hallelujah. Majority. Of the time, people who are loud at speaking about things in the church, most especially they are, they are complaining about things in the church, they have zero experience with that thing. Have you noticed? It baffles me. How can a man who for, you have never for once in your life open yourself to the supernatural? You not tell me that the supernatural has ceased in our day. You have not even tried it. You have zero experience. You are, you are not an expert at the subject matter. How can you come conclusively? At least people that have tried, I will respect them. And maybe you ask, Lord, no work for you. Yeah. I get what I'm saying, everyone. And this brings me to something very important because many times it's not just them, it's the devil at work. People have never. <clears throat> Hallelujah. What this brings us to, pay attention, everyone, is that we need to change our approach. Amen. We need to do what? We need to change our approach. Because the devil is at work many times. So we are not just as a church going to be reactive to the things that people don't understand anymore. We have to be proactive. Are you following me? We have to be what? Proactive. Not reactive. We have to teach it. Because the devil can play on ignorance. Hallelujah. The devil can play on what? Someone can walk into this congregation and see us right now and just hate us. Well, why? You don't understand the things we're doing. And you see what I'm saying? So the devil can play on ignorance. And so when it comes to that, one of the things I want to be proactive about today is prayer and praying in tongues. I think it's going to be a worthwhile teaching. Prayer and what? Praying in tongues. Because I don't think anything gives you such a, such a huge culture shock like entering into a place and seeing people just oh my god that's religious culture shock like where are you guys from like what's going on here I, the stories I hear a lot of times is like when people tell others that they pray for one hour like oh my god you know um, one of my daughters was praying um, in the US and and someone came to her and said oh my god are you alright you know, she was praying in tongues. Oh my God, are you all right? Are you? 
We're not able to help over three people. So it's usually a culture shock to people because like, why are you doing this? I remember the first time my wife got to the U.S., she was praying with some people and they were like, oh, how long do you pray? And she was like, you know, I try my best. I want to do two hours, you know, but I, I, sometimes it's one hour, 30 minutes I do. And because of time, sometimes I do two hours. And she's like, oh my God, you don't have to do that. You don't have to struggle. No, God doesn't want that. You know, just talk, just talk to him like a father. You know, it's a huge distance. Like, why are you praying one hour, bro? You're not saying you went in your church. You're doing stretch. They don't get it. So we have to be proactive to what? To explain what it is. Even the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 20. He says, Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In verse 21 he says, In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to these people. And yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. 24. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. 23. It says, therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, and all speak in tongues, and there comes one who is uninformed or an unbeliever, will they not say you are out of your mind? So like that woman, I what? <laughs> you know? So, now we have to be proactive, because nothing causes such a huge shock to people like this. So if we're all speaking in tongues and someone comes in, well, they're going to think something is wrong with us. And that's also a proof to you that tongues is actually not human language. Because there's nothing fascinating about everybody here speaking their native dialect at the same time. Nobody's going to be shocked. But well, for him to say this way, he meant that what they were speaking was not anything human. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So even though it is written in scriptures, all of these things, we have to say that when unbelievers come, they won't understand. And that's why it needs what? An explanation. The Bible is replete with it. Well, well, well how, many of, how many of people that we see today read their Bibles? So we have to explain it. First Corinthians 14 verse 24, the Bible says, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he's convinced by all, he's convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he would worship God and report that God is what? Truly amongst you. So he's saying, if they come and you are speaking in tongues, well, what will happen? They'll be confused. They'll think something is wrong with you. But if you are prophesying, well, what will happen? They'll be blessed. They'll be convinced. Do you see the difference? Another text that clearly communicates this is Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. The Bible says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. So, backstory to this, 120 of the disciples in the upper room praying. And what happens? The Holy Ghost comes upon them. And then they begin to what? To what? To pray in tongues. And so now, Peter has to explain what is going on. And so he says, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not what? As you suppose, since it is only the what? What is third hour of the day? Ah. Uh, 
9 a.m. Why? Because the Jews counted their days starting from their, their time starting from what time? 6 a.m. The day starts at 6 and ends at 6. So 6 a.m. 7, 8, 9. Third hour of the day. 9 a.m. Clear? So it's like, it's morning. Why are you guys drunk? Do you get it? Another proof because there's nothing drunk about us speaking our native language. If I was speaking Mandarin, you wouldn't think I'm drunk. You just probably think I don't speak English. So tongue is not human language. Amen? He says, for these are not drunk as you suppose since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon what? All flesh. Your sons and daughters shall what? Prophesy. Your young men shall what? See visions. Your old men shall what? Dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall what? So the Apostle Paul is defending now what these people had experienced in the upper room. And he says they are not wrong. Amen. So in the same light, to not allow the devil to take advantage, we're going to explain. Not just for that. So that those who also don't already pray in tongues will be filled. They will first, be, they will first understand what it means and then they will be filled in this meeting. So three questions I want to answer today. Number one, have the gifts of the Spirit ceased today? Because if they've ceased, well, all tongues are fake. Does that make sense? Number two, who can speak in tongues? Should everyone speak in tongues? Or not? Number three, what are the benefits of the gift of tongues? Why should I want it? Should I even want it? And number four, how can I get the gifts or communicate it to others. Clear? So what is tongues gifts and why do we call it a gift? First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. The Bible says, let's read together. One to go. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be what? Can you read it one more time, everybody? Now concerning spiritual gifts, it says now concerning spirituals. Actually, in your Bible, gift is italicized. At least if you're using a good Bible. Is it italicized in yours? Meaning it's in that slant form. <laughs> Does that make sense? Is that what's going on in your Bible? Thumbs up if that's what's on your Bible. If it's not in your Bible, sideways. <laughs> okay, good. So why is it italicized? Well, it's because in the original manuscript, gifts wasn't there. It was added for explanation. The actual thing that's in the original manuscript is now concerning spirituals. And who can guess what the Greek word for spirituals is? Pneumaticus. To be what? Of the spirit. Now concerning pneumaticus, Brethren, I do not want you to be what? Ignorant. The Greek word ignorant there means to be willfully disinclined. You know, a lot of people are there to willfully just decide that, you know what, I, I, I just keep it aside. Well, it says, so listen, 
It's an instruction in the word of God that you should not separate yourself from understanding spirituals. Amen. It says, now concerning spirituals, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I don't want you, you know, willful designation is, you might see it, you might know you can have it, but you are like, you know what? Just stay on your own. Not right now. It says, I don't want you to be what? Ignorant concerning spirituals, concerning pneumaticals, concerning the things of the spirit. Well, yesterday, I taught you that you are born of the spirit. Amen? Today, I'm going to teach you about the gifts of the spirit. It says, I will not have you ignorant. You have to understand it. You have to know what it is. Amen? Go to verse 5. It says, there are what? Let's read together. I want to go. There are different things of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works in all. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit. So, it says the manifestation of the Spirit. Meaning, as a believer, you are born of the Spirit. You have the Holy Ghost, but there are expressions of that gift. Are you seeing this? There are what? Expressions of that gift. It says the manifestations of the, of the Spirit is given to each one for what? For the profit of all. That is the gifts of the Spirit are given for profit. For the benefit of all. In verse 8 it says, For to one is given what? Word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another is given what? Word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another is given what? Faith by the same Spirit. To another is given what? Healings by the same spirit. To another is giving what? To another is giving what? Prophecies. To another is giving what? To another is giving what? To another. Verse 11, let's go on to go. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one as he wills. Now, a lot of people, when they read this text, think he's saying that. You can only have one gift. But that's not what he's saying. I'll tell you why. You see, the book of Corinthians is an instructive epistle and a corrective epistle. What are epistles? Letters written by the apostles to the churches, right? Now, 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. How many of you have read the book of 1 Corinthians before? Okay. Well, at the beginning, he started to talk about spiritual fatherhood. He said, I heard that some of you are saying you are of Paul and you have Apollos. He said, Paul planted Apollos something, something. He said, he corrected their idea. I get what I'm saying. He was correcting. In two, he corrected them. In three, he corrected them. In one part, he corrected them concerning food given to idols. Now in 12, he's going to correct them about spiritual gifts. So the reason why he said it is the spirit that is distributing is because so you don't think that it is you that is giving yourself access to the gift. Every gift everybody expresses is by what? The spirit. Are you getting that? Is that making sense? Because concerning spirituals, I will not have you what? Ignorant. So it's the spirit that is giving. It's the spirit that is giving the gift. So the gifts of the spirit are manifestations operations and activities empowered by the Holy Ghost in the believer. I'll take that again. The gifts of the Spirit are what? Manifestations, operations, activities empowered by 
the Holy Ghost in the believer. I'll say that again. The gifts of the Spirit are manifestations, operations, activities, empowered by the Holy Ghost. In who? So when approaching the subject matter, it's always good, like I said yesterday, to consider the whole scriptures. So, how do we understand the gifts of the Spirit? Well, yesterday I told you to understand the full picture of the Bible. To understand the Bible, you have to read from where? Into where? Because the Old Testament is the New Testament, what? And the New Testament is the New Testament, what? And when you're trying to study the Old Testament, you read it in the context or in the light of what? The New Testament. And when you're reading the New Testament, you read it with regards to its origin where? In the Old Testament. Does that make sense? Alright. So when it comes to this subject matter, we're going to follow the same approach. Amen. Now, at several points in the Old Testament, we see some hints about certain gifts. The gifts of the Spirit. They were reserved for specific people for specific assignments. Not everybody had the gifts. Or the Spirit, not even the gifts yet. The Spirit. We saw the Spirit come upon people for specific assignments at specific times in the Old Testament. The number of people that the Bible even mentioned that the gifts of the Spirit came upon. I don't, I don't more than all of us in this room. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but maybe a bit more. Just, are you following me? After that, we also saw kings, we saw priests, we saw prophets. But the Spirit never lived in any of them. He always came upon and then he left. Power when they needed it, the Spirit would come upon. So it was called the Spirit upon. Amen. And people who had it, like I said, they were equipped for specific purposes. Now in Numbers chapter 11, we're going to read Numbers 11 and from verse 11. Are we there? Alright, we're going to read together, everyone. Are you ready? Alright, read, read with me. One, two, go. So Moses... One more time. One, two, go. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servants? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you've laid the burden of these people on me? Next verse. Did I conceive all these people... <laughs> like, am I their father? <laughs> Did I conceive all these people? Next. Next. That you should say to me, as a guardian who carries a nursing child to the land you saw to their fathers. Verse 13. Where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they weep all over me saying, give us meat that we may eat. This is a real struggle. You know, historians have it that this church had a congregation. When I say church, they were not a church of Christ, but the gathering of people that Moses was looking after was a gathering of... I think it's, it's not 3,000, it's 3 million people. Yeah, about 3 million people. So imagine 3 million people, only one person had the Holy Ghost. So any problem, if they want to solve, they'll come to him. They'll say, okay, do this. Because the, the, having the Holy Ghost came with wisdom. Are you seeing what I'm saying? To judge, to solve problems. If they had problems, if they were hungry, Moses, 3 million people. Imagine. One person had it. So, guy, my guy was tired. He was he said, Lord, how far? How do we do this thing? Amen. So, let's read verse 14. One to go. I'm not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is what? Verse 15, let's read together. If you treat me like this, <laughs> please give me. And now, if I found favor in your sight, do not let me see 
my wretchedness. Verse 16. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to what? The tabernacle of meeting, that they may stand there with you. Verse 17. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take care, I will take of the spirit that is upon you and put the same on them, that they shall what? Bear the bodies of the people with you, that you may not bear it yourself alone. You see that? Moses alone had the Holy Ghost. Now God said, you know what? I'll take from the Spirit upon him. I'll put upon them. 70 of them. So Numbers eleven let Let's see what happened. So Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of the, his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. So what is going on here? Well, what is going on here is that the Holy Ghost came upon every, all the 70 people. But two guys missed the meeting. There's always that person that will not show up. So Joshua saw them. So the Bible says, So Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Then Moses said, Are you zealous for my sake? And then he said something. He says, Oh, that the Lord's people were prophets, and the Lord will put his spirit with them. Can you say that with me, everybody? Want to go? He said, Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets, and the Lord will put his spirit upon them. One more time, everybody. What is Moses' desire? That all, so the three million of them will receive the spirit. That's his prayer. Because his life will be easy. You seven, 70 elders, only two missed the meeting. They were still few. Joshua was like, stop them, stop them. Moses said, bros, I would that all God's people were prophets. This is powerful. These two guys, elder that made that, first of all, they missed the meeting. Isn't it peculiar and important for you to see that even though they were not in the place, the Spirit still came upon them. This gives you an impression that God is not hoarding the gifts. Did you hear what I said? God is not hoarding the gifts. They say, ah, I think the Lord, I'm not worthy, that's why the Lord didn't give me. Well, no. God is not hoarding the gifts. I'm not even talking about only tongues. I'm talking about every gift of the Spirit. Amen. God is not hoarding the gifts. Many years later, the Lord prophesied through Joel. In Joel chapter 2 and verse 28, he says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall what? Your old men shall what? Dream dreams. Your young men shall what? See visions. And also on my main servants and main servants, I would pour out my spirit in those days. So this is both a prophecy about the coming spirit and also the expressions of the spirit. Well, this prophecy is saying, Everybody will have the spirit. He says, Young men will do what? <laughs> he said, Your sons and daughters shall what? Prophesy. Old men shall what? Dream dreams. Young men shall what? Is he saying only young men can see visions? What's he saying? He could touch everybody. He was being poetic to say, he even said on the servants. Meaning it's not going to be something money can buy. It's going to be something available to all. Old and young. Male 
everyone it's going to be available it's going to be common so if you're doing a study on this text as we progress what would you think is going to happen with the gifts would you think that in the new testament the gifts of the spirit will reduce or the gifts of the spirit will increase victory what do you think increase why not reduce well because everything is pointing towards a time Joel is saying there is a time everyone everyone will have the expressions of the spirit Luke chapter 24 verse 49 Luke chapter 24 verse 49 please did you see what the Old Testament told us how we learned about it from the Old Testament now let's go to Luke chapter 24 verse 49 are we all there are you learning something are you sure Alright, Luke 24, 49. What does the Bible say? One to go. So, power is going to come upon them. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. Let's read together. One to go. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for what? Which he said... So what is going on here? Jesus is telling the apostles that the Spirit is going to come upon you. Well, is it only the apostles the Spirit is going to come upon? No, because for after them, everyone who believes the gospel will receive what? The Spirit. With the Spirit comes what? The manifestations of the Spirit as well. Amen. Amen. Well, centuries after Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, what Joel said is going to be fulfilled now. So in Acts chapter 2 verse 1, let's read together everybody wants to go. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, or a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3 everyone, then appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and it sat upon each of them. Verse 4. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to what? As what? So what happened? Now what Joel said is being fulfilled. And it started with the apostles. All of them. Did there, was anybody left behind in the 120? Was there anybody that said, ah, I was not chosen? Amen. Are you following? Are you learning something? Did anybody say, ah, ah? No, sorry, sorry. Not all of us. Not all of us. This even defeats the idea that only some people will have some gifts. Because everybody spoke in tongues in that place. Meaning everybody will, at least everybody will have the gift of tongues. <laughs> even if you reject that you that some gifts are not for you, well, everybody will have the gift of tongues. Are you see what I'm saying? This changes the whole idea. Nobody was left behind. 120. Nobody was left behind. They all saw cloven tongues as a fire on each one's head. They all spoke. They all heard in that meeting. And this was the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. In verse 14 of Acts chapter 2, Peter is preaching now. And the Bible says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said unto them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. And heed my words. These are not drunk. As you suppose, I read this text to you before, right? He said, this is the fulfillment of that prophecy of Joel. He said, the things that they hoped for, we begin to see in our day. Can you say the things they hoped for? I see in my day. Ah, can you say the things they hoped for? I see it in my day. 
Peter said that this is the fulfillment of that prophecy. That your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Well, it's going to happen in our day. Hallelujah. This is a consistent idea. No one is left behind. Everyone receives the Holy Ghost and it comes with the gifts. The same as Cornelius' house. Acts chapter 10 and verse 27. Acts chapter 10. You know what? Let's read from verse 40, 34. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Please, are you learning something, everyone? Acts 10, 34. Let's read together. One, two. Let me, before this, let me give you a backstory. Peter was, you know, was having a dream. And God sent some people to meet him at the time. Cornelius. He was not saved, but he feared the Lord. In verse 34, the Bible says, let's read together. I want to go. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is what? Verse 36, let's read. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. 37, that the word, that word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism with John preached. 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. 39. And we are witnesses of all the things which he did both in the land of, Jew, of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they killed hanging on a tree. What is he preaching? The gospel. He's telling them that Jesus, he died. We are witnesses of the things that have happened to him. Are you seeing that? Verse 40. And what? Him God raised on the third day and showed him openly. 41. Not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God. Even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. What is he witnessing? The resurrection of Jesus. Are you seeing this? So what has he preached? Jesus died, was buried, and what? Is that the gospel? Amen. And then what happened after that? In verse 42, the Bible says, And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive what? Remission of sins. Verse 44, let's read together. Everybody wants to go. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit did what? Was it on some? How many? All! So we've seen almost three places now that the Spirit came on what? The Spirit came on who? All! No one left behind. No one left behind. I'll ask a simple question. By all indications, what is the progression of the gift of the Spirit supposed to be in comparison to the Old Testament? In the New Testament, are we supposed to have less or more? Is there any place in the Bible that indicates that the gift of the Spirit will stop? If you show me now, I will stop preaching forever. <laughs> Amen. So where do we get that funny, devilish idea from? Because I think it's devilish. And the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. Or that is for only some people. Where? Have the gifts ceased today? Because... Are we not in the New Testament? Amen. Is there another testament after? So we're in the age of his power. 
We are in the dispensation of the expression of the gifts. This is the day Joel prophesied about. That all sons and daughters will dream dreams. And, listen, I think that men can, can craft anything to justify their inadequacies. Just the fact that you have never experienced the supernatural in your life, well, it's more convenient to say it does not exist. Amen. You know, that's why the, the circle that pushes that thing, there's one of them I like so much. Pastor John Piper. I love him. Because I listened to him one day and he said, you know what? I've never experienced it before. But I can't say tongues is not real. All I can do is pray that God gives me the grace to experience it in some part of my life. He said, because from what he can see from scriptures clearly, the Bible talks about the fact that people could not understand. From the teaching of Paul, he also sees that no man understanded it was what the Bible said. How be it? He speaks what? Mysteries. He said, you know what? All I can say at the most is that I pray that I receive it. Do I know how it works fully? No. You see, that's honesty. Are you listening to what I'm saying? That's what, don't just you know, you know, I watched a video one time. Some guys were laughing. Say, mene, 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 mene. And I said, my brother here says, ah! I was like, this is what the devil does to the minds of people who are ignorant. And like, worded men like you, you are laughing at the expressions of the gift of the Spirit. Why? You've never seen it in your life. Even if, even if you've never experienced it, even if you can't, I don't want to say it this way. But you know what? First of all, you, I don't need to prove to you that the gifts of the Spirit have continued. You have more to prove to me that they stopped. Do you hear what I said? Everything indicates its continuance. There's nothing that indicates it's stopping. So the burden of proof is on you, not me. Are you seeing that? So, <laughs> whatever way you arrived where you are, you need to show me. <laughs> That's the truth. You need to show me. The gifts have not ceased. Amen. They've become common. That, that's what the Bible teaches us. They've become, they've become available. That's why the Apostle Paul could write a letter to the Corinthian church to balance the gifts. Ah, they were expressive. Are you listening to me? So listen, two points on this. There is no text in the whole of the Bible that indicates the cessation of the gifts of the Spirit. Rather, they all point towards the fact that the gifts of the Spirit will be made common in our age. It says sons and daughters, young men. So, you know what we should experience today? We should experience many younger people being expressive in the gifts of the Spirit. Not the opposite. Amen. We should make it common. Make it common in your household, please. Are you with me? Make it common. The pro and the second thing to learn is that the progression of the theme of scripture seems to indicate otherwise that the spirit will come upon all flesh and God's plan, you know, which is God's plan rather, and the spiritual will become common. Hallelujah. So the two things is there's no text. And number two is that the theme of the Bible points towards the gifts becoming common. What Moses wished for is happening in our day. What Joel prophesied about is happening in our day. It's only a person that does not have, unless you just want to be a liar. <laughs> it's, it's clear as day, isn't it? It's clear as day. 
So why should you speak in tongues? Well, why not? Why? He said concerning spirituals, I will not have you what? So why not? Is it a gift of God? Is it given to the believer? The only reason why you should not desire it is if you think God gives you something you don't need. Do you hear me? If it's not useful, why did God make it available? Amen. So why not? In every instance where we see people speaking tongues, no one is left out. No one. Is it your provision in Christ? Well, it's for you. Do you hear what I said? It's for you. God does not do ineffective things, though. <laughs> I've not seen God do something that is just available for waste. Never. Well, if He gives us the gift of tongue, it's because it's useful to us. And you would not, I, I dare say, listen, you can be as the, you can be a believer and not speak in tongues. Amen. But I dare say. That there is a quality that each of the gifts of the Spirit add to your life that without it you will not experience that. Are you listening to me? Not just tongues. Even prophecy. Imagine living your life without the prophetic. You might not know the difference. You know that thing where you don't know what you are missing unless you see it. Well, you don't know what you are missing if you don't speak in tongues unless you do it. Please, are you learning something? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31, what does the Bible say? Pay attention here everyone. This is going to help you a lot. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31. Listen, is this me talking or the Bible? Now read with me, everyone. One, two, go. But earnestly, the best gift. And yet, I show you what. What did he say you should do? Listen, I've been in a church before where someone said, if you are seeking for the gift, you are like Simon the sorcerer seeking for the gift. That's wrong! That idea is devilish. Why would you say it's not a good heart for me to be seeking the gift? I'm seeking power. It's a lie. The Bible says I should seek it. Why do we seek the gifts? For the edification of the body. For the edification of ourselves. What does the Bible say? Is it Pastor Mike? This is Pastor who? Pastor Paul. Amen. It says earnestly what? If it was in one place, well, you might say maybe it's not. Pastor is just coming up with it. First Corinthians 14, verse 39. First Corinthians 14, verse 39. First Corinthians 14, verse 39. What does it say? Therefore, brethren, do what? You know, they keep putting earnestly in front. <laughs> Are you seeing what I'm saying? Desire what? earnestly to what and do not what this is in first corinthians that they say should be paul says you should not speak in tongues you prophesy well he said forbid not to what earnestly desire please when it comes to the expressions of the gift of the, you must want it for yourself if you've never prophesied want it for yourself because when you have it, it's going to be for the edification of the church. Amen. If you've never spoken in tongues, desire it. If you've never healed the sick, desire it. That's your life. Say, that's my life. That's my life. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good 
because God was with him. Well, how God anointed Michael Ikbaya with the Holy Ghost and power. I go about doing good, healing those who are oppressed of the devil because God is with me. Freely have I received, freely will I give. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. It says, pursue love and what? Hey, are you, are you reading that? Pursue love and what? You know what? If we read KJV of 1 Corinthians 12, 31, it says covet. Is covet a, a good word? It means seek something that you did not have before. The only time the Bible uses covet for a good thing is when it comes to spiritual gifts. Are you hearing me? Why? Be hungry for it. This, <laughs> covet is not a word you use when uh, I like your red shirt, I want it. That's not covet though. You know, you're farming someone to collect shit. That's covert. You are, you are jealous for, for, the, for it. That's covert. Ah! How did the pastor do that thing? He just stood. He said, Everybody. He said, Lord, I want you to use me like that. That's godly jealousy now. I want it not because I want power for myself. I want it so you can use me for your glory. Amen. Just imagine all of us can flow in the supernatural very well the devil will not try us because he'll just come come maybe he wants to talk to Rhoda this will just call ah Rhoda as I was praying the Lord told me make sure you pray this night ah that road is blocked are you seeing what I'm saying that road is blocked fine face just wakes up and says ah I'm going to call pastor say, ah, should I call pastor I'm going to call pastor say pastor I just want to pray with you she's discerning that she needs to spend some time or, you know what, if I cannot call pastor, let me just stand up and pray for pastor this night. Are you listening to me? The devil we cannot. You know, Catholic Church, we are building a strong church. It's not. Amen. We go flow. I am an abandoned This is not a church, I've, I said this since we were in fellowship. This is not a church where only the pastor. No. By day, you go flow. If I know day, the things you receive, they are for you. Even, even if for any reason you are not a member of the Catholic Church and you are in a different location, wherever God has sent you to, well, the things you receive here, they're going to stay with you. Are you, are you listening to me? They're going to stay with you. You will flow. You know the argument they used to say, uh, why you say you can do it like, like uh, Pastor E. Listen, you have the same Holy Ghost that your pastor has. The only difference is mastery and assignment. Did you hear what I said? <laughs> My Holy Ghost is not Holy Ghost 2.0. The difference is mastery and assignment. Specific people can see specific graces heavy in their life because of their assignment. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Because, but that does not mean that they cannot function in other gifts. Can prophesy. You pray for your family, you call them. He said, The Lord said to tell you to spend this afternoon praying. The Lord said to tell you that that your finances will get better. The Lord said to tell you that you should that person used to pick from work. Don't pick her again. Amen. Strange things though, that the Lord has instructed us to do. And when we see the results from the other, I will say, Thank God for prophecy. Thank God. I don't know how people used to live this life. 
You're entering 2024 now. No word. No, nothing, nothing. <laughs> you just cross over and you cross. Nothing. No expectation for... Ah, nothing that, okay, next year I pray, you know, I'm better. You know, next year in ministry, I do more. Next year I'm going to, you know, at least disciple 20 people. Nothing. Even businesses have quarterly goals. <laughs> Hallelujah. So against popular opinion, it is scriptural to desire spiritual gifts. If there's any spiritual gift you haven't functioned in before, well, you're going to function in it in this meeting. In the name of Jesus. Easily. By the Spirit of God. So why not? Number two, utterance gift is a confirmation of the testimony of Christ. Now, when I say utterance gifts, what do I mean? Speaking in tongues, gifts that are that are communicated through words. All right, we Apostle Paul categorized the gifts in a in a way, you know, where we we say utterance because of the way they are expressed, we sort of divided them. So utterance gifts are spoken gifts, prophecy tongues, right? Um, revelatory gifts are gifts that open up something that was hidden before. We're word of knowledge, right? You know, word of wisdom. And, and other things like that. So, when I say utterance gift, I'm, I'm also. So, what are we talking about here? Remember, we're talking about benefits, right? Why speak in tongues? That's what we're talking about now. So, the first was why not? The second is the utterance gift is a confirmation of the testimony of Christ. What do I mean by that? Well, in First Corinthians chapter one and verse four, let's read together. I want to go. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. So they had what? The grace of God. Next verse. It says that in everything you are in. Next verse. Even as what? So it says they are enriched in all utterance and in all knowledge. Even as what? The testimony of Christ was confirmed in them. Next verse. It says, so that you what? Come behind in what? Come behind in what? Waiting for what? Are you seeing that? So, a pastor is talking about his congregation. The Apostle Paul talks about this frequently. There was one time he was talking about the grace of God in, in the church in Macedonia. What was the grace of God there? Well, they were liberal. They were generous in giving. Now, he's talking about the grace of God in the church in Corinth. You know, it's surprising that the Apostle Paul told the church in Corinth, I speak in tongues more than you all. Yet, that's the same church that you say that you know that you are, they have all trans gifts. So these guys, you are even correcting them that don't be speaking in tongues every time. And yet, you say you speak in tongues more than them. The Corinthian church was known for this. It says, as the Macedonian church has a grace for giving, it says they are enriched in everything, in all utterance and in knowledge. So, if you want to know about the Corinthian church, <laughs> they are enriched in what? Utterance and not, so, they sabi speaking, they, they speak, die. Prophecy, tongues. Ah, that's what our church is going to be like. Amen. Amen. They, <laughs> it says you are enriched in all things, in all utterance and in all knowledge. It says even as the testimony of Christ is confirmed in them. It says, so that you come behind in what? In no gift. Say, I come behind in no gift. Let me even clear you. Sorry, not clear you, but explain to you. That was the declaring pastor in me speaking. Let me explain to you. 
the fact that he said they are enriched in him in all things, in all utterance and in all knowledge, means that they don't, they don't express only one gift. This is what I'm saying. So the idea of believers can express only one is wrong. Then he says that you come behind in no gifts. This makes it even more clear. Do you know what that means? You don't lack any gifts. So should you desire spiritual gifts? If you are not strong in the prophetic, start working in it. If you are not strong in revelatory gifts, start working in it. Amen. If the only thing you've done is speak in tongues, well, that's going to be different today. Start what It says that you come behind in no gifts waiting for what? The revelation or the coming of a, so it says don't come behind. Say I don't come behind. I don't come behind in any gift. I don't come behind in any gift. Is it a tongue I speak? Is it a prophecy I give? I don't come behind. It says the manifestation of the utterance gift is the confirmation of the testimony of Christ. What does it mean? That when you speak in tongues, you confirm the testimony of Jesus. What is the testimony of Jesus? That he died was buried and he resurrected. So, how does speaking in tongues confirm this? How does utterance gift confirm this? Well, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 32, the Bible says, this Jesus God raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Spirit, he has what? Poured out this which you now so when you see people speak, and this was talking about Acts, when they were speaking in tongues, amen. So when they were speaking in tongues, Paul said, don't be scared. Sorry, Peter said, don't be scared. What you are seeing now is a confirmation that Jesus is glorified. Why? If Jesus is not glorified, these people cannot speak in tongues. Amen. Because it's the glorification of Jesus that will make him now share the gift on every heart. Please who gets, if you don't get it, raise up your hand. If you get it, raise up your hand. Then you are in the middle. If you don't get it, raise up your hand. If you get it, raise up your hand. Let me explain one more time. Acts chapter 2 verse 32. This is Peter preaching after the people were speaking in tongues. Amen. He was explaining what was going on. He says, this Jesus God has raised up of which we are all what? Witnesses. Next verse. He says, therefore, remember, God raised up Jesus. They witnessed it. He said, therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received, so he's talking about the glorification, the ascension of Jesus. It says, being exalted to the right hand of the Father and having received what? From the Father, the promise of what? He poured out what? What did they see and what did they hear? They saw other people speaking in tongues. And he said, the reason that these people are speaking in tongues, what you now see is proof that God is exalted and he has received the promise of the Spirit and he has given them. Does that make sense? Meaning that anybody who speaks in tongues is confirming that Jesus has died, has been buried, he resurrected and is now with the Father. Ah! Did you get that? It, think about it. No unsaved person can speak in tongues. Well, anybody who speaks in tongues is saved. Is it making sense? If you are not saved, you can't speak. Well, if you are speaking in tongues or any gift of the Spirit, you are confirming that Jesus is good. And the specific context of this one is actually speaking in tongues. Because he was explaining, he says that these things that you see and hear is because Jesus is glorified. So let me tell you what was happening there. Those people were seeing other people, Rabbi, praying. 
And Paul says, ah, no, this is, this is, this is a confirmation. Jesus is, he has given the spirit. Amen. So when he's done speaking in tongues, don't frown at it. Say, yes, Jesus is glorified. That's why we see this gift. Amen. Jesus is glorified. That's why we see this gift. Jesus is glorified. Don't be ignorant. Number three, the tongues gift is a confirmation of the testimony of the believer. It was testimony of Christ, the first, the second one. Now the third one is testimony of who? A confirmation of the testimony of the believer. Acts chapter 10 verse 9. We're going to read Cornelius' story one more time. I'm going to show you what I mean by that. I think this was a good investment. Okay, no. That's not where she's going. I thought she was going. <laughs> but I think it was a good investment because all of you today, if this thing was not here, <laughs> it's well. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 10 verse 9. Are we all there? Alright, let's read together one to go. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up the house top to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw the heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. Verse 12. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and the birds of the air. And a voice from came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. He has mind, though. He's telling God not so. Anyways, verse 15. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up to heaven again. So Apostle Peter is here, and in his dream, God is telling him that unclean animals in the law, which they were not supposed to eat, was not really about animals. That the reason why they were told not to eat unclean animals then was to show them a separation between Jews and Gentiles. Are you seeing what I'm saying? And so, God told him, eat this thing that in the law is said unclean. He said, no, I cannot eat it. Well, God said, don't call whatever I have called clean, unclean. If you were here yesterday, this would make sense to you. That it is in Christ that God will justify those who they have called what? Unclean. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So both clean and unclean will be justified in who? In Christ. Why did God show him this dream? Because just after the trance, people were going to call him to come and preach to Cornelius. If Peter did not believe that Gentiles could be saved, he would not go and preach to Cornelius. Are you seeing what I'm saying? He would not have gone to preach to Cornelius. So God showed him this dream and then in verse 44, the Bible says, verse 44 is the preaching where now he has gotten to Cornelius' house. He was even reluctant. He was like, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be here, but, <laughs> but I, I, I'll be here so I'll preach to you people. Then in verse 44, he said, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, who are those of the circumcision? The Jews. Who believed were what? Astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Ghost had been poured again on who? So think about it. They are like, ah. It's only the apostles that have received the Spirit to and people that thought that salvation was for only the Jews were like, Gentiles. Ah. Gentiles, they are speaking in tongues. Ah. 
it says in verse 46, it says, For they heard them speak in tongues and what? Magnify God. Then Peter did what? Answered. Can anyone forbid water that this should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord in the name of the Lord. And they asked him to what? To stay a few days. So think about this. Then in the, in I think a chapter after this or two chapters after this, they called the council. And they were asking Peter. We heard that so 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 thing happened. Peter said, Ah, I was on my own. Oh. I had a trance. God said, I should eat. I said, no, you know me, Jew of Jews. I'm, I'm me, unclean things, I cannot touch it. But God told me, don't call anything I have called clean, unclean. So I went. I was still telling them, I don't want to be there, but I went. And I don't know, I was just even preaching. I was just saying my own, no. All of them just started to speak in tongues. Guess what? Every time, he now said, he said in that verse, he said, and they started to speak in tongues like we. So he's saying the same thing that happened to us has happened to them. Can you say they are not saved? So speaking in tongues is a confirmation that a person is saved. Not just that the expression of the gifts. That's what I mean by it. It's a testimony of the believer. Please, are you getting this? It is what? Does this mean that anyone who doesn't speak in tongues is not saved? No. Amen. But it means that if a person speaks in tongues, definitely he's saved. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. Tongues are an evidence of the efficacy of Christ's work in the believer. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. The Bible says, And do not be drunk with wine wherein is in what? Excess. It says, But be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in what? In psalms, in hymns, and in what? Singing and what? So, he's saying it as though you must know what to do. <laughs> he says, do not be drunk with wine, but be what? Be filled. So, it's an instruction to be filled. Are you seeing what I'm saying? It's an instruction. Being filled with the Spirit has never been associated with quietness before. Ah! Did you hear what I said? He said, Speaking. Anyone who gets filled with the Spirit always speaks. Amen. Some people say, no, the Holy Ghost is cool and calm. Ask the people in the upper room, well, they were not cool and calm. How about the people in Corinthians? It says they were magnifying the Lord speaking in tongues. Amen. Never been associated. Utterance. See Elizabeth. The she was carrying a child. She was filled with the Spirit. The Bible says the baby in her womb leaped for joy and she was filled and she said she prophesied in the upper room the same thing they spoke are you getting what I'm saying they spoke what are you to speak he says well psalms hymns and spiritual songs so what tongues really is is an evidence also of the infilling of the spirit the believer who is saved has the spirit. The infilling of the spirit is just that the believer is filled with the same spirit that, he, that is in him. What happens when you are filled with the spirit? You know, it's an influence that comes upon you. That's why it says, do not be drunk with wine wherein is in excess. What's the comparison between wine and the spirit? Intoxication. Do you see that? Influence. 
influence, intoxication. I don't want to rush these notes. I wanted to spend some more time, you know, but I wanted to make sure that you understand it. Are you understanding what I'm teaching you? Intoxication. Influence. So what happens? The believer already has the spirit, but at a point in time, if he allows himself, he can stir up. Or another believer can stir up the spirit in him. And what happens? He is now influenced by the spirit. Amen? He's now what? Influenced by the spirit. And when he's influenced by the spirit, what can happen? There can be expressions of the spirit. And what's the most common thing we see is that they speak with tongues. Amen? Surprisingly, you speak in tongues to be filled. You speak in tongues when you are filled. Amen. The latter can come before the former. The first time, you'll be filled, then you speak. Every other time, you speak to be filled. Are you seeing what I'm saying? You can pray and you're filled. If you desire the gift, you speak. Amen. He says, speaking to yourself in what? Sounds. Hymns. It's not sound of David, though. It cannot be. Paul cannot be telling you in the New Testament to speak sounds of David. No. Are you hear what I'm saying? He cannot be telling you that. The Bible actually clearly tells us, you know, it says, What eyes had not seen, neither has it as the ears heard what the Lord has planned for you. He was talking about the things that God was going to reveal, but he said that been revealed to his holy apostles. Do you see what I'm saying? The apostle Paul was telling them that there are mysteries that God has given that was revealed to them. He says, When you read his writings, you may understand. So even David did not understand the things that Christ revealed to the apostles. He might have, he might have had a, a tiny picture, but the explanation came in the New Testament. So Paul cannot be telling you. That you're going to speak psalms or hymns of David. Well, a psalm is going to be a word of adoration from your spirit to God. Are you seeing what I'm saying? A song from your spirit to God. A hymn will also be, remember, spirituals from your spirit to God. So if I give you the mic and I say, give us a psalm. You're not going to try to use your mind to form it up, no. You're going to discover what the Lord is saying in your spirit and sing it as a song. You know, psalms are songs. What's praying in your understanding? Praying in words that you can understand that make sense to you and people around you. What is praying in the spirit? Praying in the language that cannot be understood. What is singing in your understanding? What is singing in the spirit? So it's simply tongues with melody. What's a psalm? Yep, songs inspired by the Holy Ghost. So, you can sing songs in the understanding inspired by the Holy Ghost and those are psalms. You can prophesy in a melodic way and it's a psalm. You know, David sang, he spoke words that we can understand but they were prophetic. You know many of the songs of David are prophetic. How many of you know that? Everything you read in the book of Psalms is a song. And it's almost all. I hear what I'm saying. And then he said... My Lord said to my Lord, and that was fulfilled in Jesus and God. Are you seeing what I'm saying? That was fulfilled in Jesus and God. So, we can say, Rhoda, give us a sound. And what she does in that time is not trying to form and say, ah, you know, the Lord answered her by fire, let it. No! Is that by the influence? What's a hymn? Well, similar to a psalm, 
It's just the style of the music mostly, but a hymn is also musical, but it's also from your spirit to God. Like now in my spirit, I'm hearing, because he lives, I live. Amen. I put a melody to it, because he lives, I live, because he lives, I live, because he lives, I live, because he lives, I live. Now that's not a spiritual song because I'm singing in the understanding. Then it will be a sound or depending on how the song is if it's longer than a hymn amen but if I were to sing in tongues following this melody well it's a spiritual song does that make sense so when we gather the Bible says when you gather each had what a tongue each had what an interpretation what is interpretation of tongues well the interpretation of tongues is not translation of tongues Meaning your job is not to listen to me when I say Rabo Setelekepai. And you're like, Mato Setelekai, God, please help me. No. <laughs> That's not what is going on. Interpretation of tongues is that the tongue is coming by an influence of the Spirit from the Spirit through the mouth of the believer. Interpretation of that is the meaning of that from the same Spirit through the believer. So you are not trying to listen to say, the Bible already told you no man understand it. Do you get it? So you, the only way to interpret a tongue is by another gift of the Spirit, by the Spirit, through the Spirit, called interpretation of tongues. I'm explaining the things that I would practice in this meeting to you. Amen? Are you following me? So Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. I'm going to do, lastly, a defense explaining Acts chapter 2 and then we'll practice everything I've taught you. Listen, if you learn this, your devotion will never suffer. I get what I'm saying. You just sit down. Maybe you're even struggling to pray. You just sit down. Your spirit just sit down on my belly. You're speaking about something that is your reality, drawing from your spirit. What happens next is that once you allow the influence of your spirit, give your brain time to catch up. The reason why you feel the way you feel is because your brain does not want to catch up sometimes. That's why tiredness leads you to not praying. Because in that time, your brain can't discern the influence of the spirit at that time. You'll not be feeling like the presence of God is not with you. Well, it has always been in you and it will never leave you. You are just low on discernment. That's why if you let your flesh rule you, you discern lowly. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, well, you know what to do. When, listen, mastery comes to you, when you know that, oh, I'm not praying well. That does not mean that God is not with me. I know what to do. So you set structures. Flesh, you suffer now. You fast. Not 12 o'clock, not 3 o'clock. Fast! Five. Yeah, your body says, hey, hey, don't kill me. You must die. You must die. <laughs> That's how to deal with it. Ah, you, if you don't, even if you don't pray that day, don't stop. Try your best. Go on your knee. Your body say, ah, you need to sleep. You are going to work tomorrow. I say, yeah, let's be here. If the words did not come out, play the song. Just be there. Have you noticed that if you never start prayer, you don't pray. But once you start, you always pray. Once you start, you always pray. So don't let the devil catch you. Just, just, just go, just start. Or you won't set yourself up. Just come and say, Pastor, can we pray this night? Even though you don't know if you have time. Good. I will call your life <laughs> until you pick. If you don't pick, I'll take cab to your house. 
Thank God we have bio data of everybody in this ministry. I will knock your door. We need to pray. All trust other be- trust other believers. Trust other believers. Say they saw like call me. They saw if you sleep. They say you're going to sleep off. Call. <laughs> I must pray this night. You know, there was a time I did that in my life. I'll just tell people I was discipling. I'll say, you know what? I'll pray with you 30 minutes this night. I did not feel like praying. Well, Mr. If I don't go on for my hand as pastor now. I don't want to mess up as pastor. I say, let's pray. We don't have to pray. So I'll say, I'll pray with you this night. So the whole week I had someone I was praying with. Sometimes I didn't, I was I was struggling to stretch sometimes because I was so tired. I was fatigued. So I put 30, 30 minutes for people. Before I knew it, it was fresher by the person. I was getting prophetic words for them differently. But when I was not focusing on them, before I knew it, I was praying two hours. Without knowing. My mind was actively there and I was feeling refreshed. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Ah, this flesh no feel win. We are not ignorant of the devices of the devil. <laughs> we are not ignorant. You set the structure. We, we, what's the word? We glorify too much our inadequacies. That's the problem. It doesn't have so much power. You know why? God will still show up for us. So why beat yourself up? Just restart. Retreat. Some of you, what you need to save your prayer life. You need to just tell your boss, can I take this weekend off? Leave your house. Your house has all the comfort. I'm book one motel. in La Salle. Remove your sim. Or just find a way that they can call you and reach you when they want to reach you. Just go there. Even if you are there, do you know what happened? If you doze off and you are sleeping most of the time, you will start feeling guilty. Because you came here for a reason. You are just wasting your time. Your laptop is not here. You cannot work. Nothing is there. The only thing you can do is what? Pray. That's what retreat. God help us. So if we have money, we just buy one building, turn it to retreat center. Windsor Retreat Center. Just set it up. You see what I'm saying? There are things we, we glorify. We say, ah, I failed you, Lord. When God is saying, stand up and pray, you, you are there, say, I failed you, Lord. Lord, don't cast me for your, from your presence. Who has time for that? Nobody has time for that. Bro, just set structure and start praying. You say, ah, I'm not going to church today. I'm not worthy to be in God's presence. Who cares about that, bro? God is looking at you and saying, Pray, bro, I'm with you. You are saying, ah, oh, God, I know you've left me. Bro. Ah, ah, I'm here. Don't glorify those weaknesses. Don't. God is not blind now. There was a time I was working so hard. And I was feeling so bad. And when I went to pray, I felt so bad. All I could say is, All I could say was, I know you've seen how my week has gone. I know. So make this 30 minutes I have, let it feel like five hours. I was not doing that because I didn't want to pray long. I was doing that because I genuinely didn't even have the time. I said, provide me another job. You see, God sees. Don't relate with God like he's one dictator. He sees what is going on. If you make 30 minutes count 30 in the morning, 30 in the afternoon, 30 in the night, you'll still be edified. The problem is that a lot of us compare ourselves. 
The reason why your 30 minutes is not feeling effective is because you think if you've not done the two hours that your friend is doing, your friend that does not have work. It's not a bad thing, no. I'm just saying. You feel like if you don't do, if you don't do that two hours, you've not arrived. It happens. A lot of times, why many of us find it hard to pick up our devotion back is that you always compare yourself to the time where you were lifting weight of three hours. So you start, ah, the time you read 30 minutes, we're already feeling bad. So you didn't really put your heart into the 30 minutes because you think you are failing. But even in the gym, if you used to carry 70 kg and you stop for one year, if you go back trying to, you will condemn yourself. So start afresh. Go to 20. If you do your 20 consistently, move to 50. If you do 50 consistently, move to 70, then plan to surpass 70. That's how you rebuild your prayer altar. Your biggest limitation is your mind. Did you hear what I said? Your biggest limitation is what? Your mind. Jacob did not want to see. Not want to see. He didn't want to see a vision. He only took the stone of the altar and it changed everything around. That 30 minutes can wake you up forever if you allow your heart. I have a lot to say, but Acts chapter 2, what happened there? Did they speak in other languages? Or did they speak in unknown languages? Unknown. Why do we think so? Well, first of all, the Bible tells us that they started to speak in tongues. And people gathered. And Peter started explaining. He says, these are not drunk with wine, as you suppose. First of all, what are the characteristics of people drunk with wine? Stuttered speech. They stagger. They stagger what? Normally. They stagger. So this is, you know, the reason tongues for evangelism. So when you go somewhere, you know, you're speaking a tongue. That's not the gift of tongue that the Bible talks about. That's a miracle. How do we know that? Explain scripture with scripture. There's a teaching about it by Apostle Paul. He clearly said, if you pray in an unknown tongues, no one understands. Even you, you don't understand. If anybody can understand, it's not tongues. Amen. Maybe you've been scared now that what the Shabbat you are doing, maybe it's not. If they can understand, it's not tongues. Amen. Since they are not wrong, but since it's the third hour of the day, think about it. 120 people in a room. They said they were hearing other people speak. That's what confuses people that some people said they were hearing their languages, right? In the place. So how did they hear the language? There are two possible ways. Number one, 120 of you here, if I tell you to start speaking in tongues right now, I'm praying, and you stand outside, you will hear words that sound like your language. Yes or yes? No? Yes or no? If you don't agree, thumbs down. If you agree, thumbs up. You will hear things that sound like that. First of all, there's no way to even make out what anybody is saying. Do you know what I'm saying? Even if you don't hear things that sound like your language, there's no way to make out what anybody is saying. The second possibility is this. They spoke in tongues first. And then after, by a miracle, they were able to speak in languages that others can understand. But what truly is tongues? The Apostle Paul explains in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. And this is where we round up then. We're going to have going to practice everything you've learned and then we're going to have a believers meeting. Amen? 
Pursue love and what? Desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may what? Next verse. For he who speaks in tongues does not what? Is it for evangelism? Because he does not speak to men. But to who? For no one. However, in the spirit he does what? Next verse. But he who prophesies speaks what? Edification, exhortation, and what? Comfort to men. Next verse. He who speaks in tongues does what? But he who prophesies does what? Why does the edification of himself happen to them who speak in tongues? Because no one understands it. How about prophecy? Because they understand. Next verse. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you what? Why is he saying this? Well, because he wants to, he doesn't want them doing that only in a church service because he wants them to edify others. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues. Not because he's greater, but because in the context of edification, this is more important. Amen? Unless, indeed, he interprets that the church may receive an edification. So we're going to have tongues and we're going to have interpretations. Amen? Next verse. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by what? Revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching. Next verse. For even the things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make sound, unless they make a distinct sound, how will it be known what is pipes? He's giving an example, right? Next verse. For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So he's saying, no one is going to understand you if you speak in tongues. Amen. Rise up on your feet, everybody. Pray in the language of the Spirit. I want you to focus on this meeting and I want you to say, Lord, every gift I haven't seen or expressed, I see it expressed right now in the name of Jesus. By your Spirit, in the name of Jesus, begin to pray in the language of the Spirit.